Welcome back to Common Fan Commentary. I'm your host, Adam. Today, we have Nick on the episode. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. Can't wait to talk about stuff. <laughs> That's a good summary right there. So first off, we got NBA All-Star Weekend just wrapping up. Something that I kind of want to call to attention are the people that were selected to this All-Star team. Because I feel like it was very unbalanced with the way they selected people. The first person I want to showcase made the All-Star team, given he is the point guard of the best team in the West right now. That's Mike Conley for the Utah Jazz. Nick, do you believe he's an All-Star this year? No, I I don't believe he is based on who was left out. I thought DeMar DeRozan was a little bit more deserving given what he's been doing for the Spurs this season. I mean, I, I get it. He's the best He's, he's the point guard on the best team, but he's not even the best player on that team by a long shot. You know, I just think DeRozan's been playing better than he has, and he's really changed his game up to fit the Spurs mold better. I thought he was more deserving of it than Conley. I, I understand why they chose Conley, but at the end of the day, not every player on the best team is worthy of, let's say, like an award or of a, a all-star selection. Right. Yeah, like Devin Booker didn't even make the all-star team at first um, until they until they announced the replacements. And he's the best player on the second best team. He's averaging almost 25 points a game. And you're leaving him out, but you're inviting someone like Mike Conley in. Uh, I, I just get kind of confused with the priorities of the all-star game. Are, are, you, are you generally a fan of the NBA all-star game? Like how it runs, the events that happen? Uh, I'm generally only interested in... If a player on my favorite team is in, so uh, I, you know, I watched to see Julius Randle. That was pretty much it. And uh, the game itself can be entertaining because I mean, these are stacked teams that you don't get to see very often. So it, it is fun. You know, I pay attention to maybe like the first quarter or wherever they structure it now. But there's no stipulation attached to it. Granted, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't think if MLB still attaches the uh, All-Star game to home field advantage of the World Series like they used to. It's interesting when they have stuff like that in. Not generally the best indicator of, you know, which conference is deserving of of home field advantage. I still think it should go to the team with the best record overall. They deserve it. But they need Uh, stakes because they play like Pro Bowl levels of defense. And yeah, it's fun to watch these like elite superstars play together, but... We're not watching an actual game, you know. It's it's almost worse than an ex- exhibition game. Like I remember a few years it's, ago when like Dwight Howard was chucking up threes all game just so he can make one, and it just kind of defeats the purpose of like the event and kind of kills what the spectacle is about. Well, it's supposed to be an entertaining game. That's the thing. You're supposed to do stuff that you don't normally see, like Steph Curry throwing an alley oop to LeBron James. Guys, we we will never see play with each other on the same team except for the All Star game, and that's mainly what it's about. They're not playing defense because nobody really cares during the All Star game about playing defense. It's all about showing off offensive skill sets. The last two years, they have kind of fourth quarter. It's a close game. They do kind of like you know hunker it down a little bit, but not the same caliber that we see like in a playoff game. They're not going to risk getting hurt playing in a game that has no no merit or any stipulation towards their season. I haven't been genuinely entertained by an All-Star game in a long time. It just feels like you can tell the guys are just out there for fun. The only thing they care about is if they can maybe get MVP. That's about it. But you see guys like the best who are having their career years like Demonitas Sabonis for the Indiana Pacers. Why is he being left out? Well, it's because he's on a small market team. 75% of the general population hasn't heard of him. But he's averaging 21 points and 11 rebounds. It's meant to be this spectacle that 
We're trying to showcase like the best talents this season, but then that's not really the end product. You know, a three-point competition at the end of the day. I much prefer watching the three-point competition because I feel like that's just a real unbiased take the best three-point shooters and see who can score the most points. I, I typically like that event more than the others. The last dunk contest I really enjoyed was Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon going into the finals. That that was very enta- entertaining, but just still feels like kind of a pointless weekend. I mean, it's a good break for the players. Yeah, but that's all it is. It's a, it's a break for them, and it's an opportunity for sponsors to, to get more money by right. putting their stuff out there. That's all it is, and that's all it ever will be. I mean, it's not going to change. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't see it. I, I can't think of I, a way to actually make it better, you know? I, I guess, what am I complaining about? But finding it entertaining at this point is just purely speculative based on the viewer. So, if... The NBA is not going to cry over, you know, let's say you don't find it entertaining, but there are millions of other people that do. They're not going to care. People are still going to tune in to watch it. It's at the end of the day, it is what it is. No, my um, opinion's the only one that matters. <laughs> it's hard to make these guys care. I think the way to make them care would be like maybe a cash prize kind of thing. How much money can you throw at these guys to make them care about a basketball game to risk the rest of their season? Where they're going to make a ton, of, right. a lot more money. I think they do a little bit for charity for these games. I'm not sure on the details, so I do think there's that aspect of it. They're not going to go all out because they have another half of the season to play, and their main focus for a lot of these guys because they're on contending teams is, is to win a championship. Should the All Star Game be at the end of the season, like it is for the NFL? Then mm, I think you it would get even worse in terms of they don't play defense at all. Mm-hmm. End of the season. It's the off season. They're really not going to care at that point because everything's dumb. They want to go. They want to train. They want to get back in the gym and get ready for next season. I mean, it, it it's different because football. The injuries are much more likely to happen, so they have to do it outside of the season. Whereas basketball, it's not really a contact sport unless you make it. Unless you're Zion say, Williamson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say no. It, it doesn't have to be at the end of the season. I think it's fine where it is. It's a nice little break. Give some other some guys uh, a little bit of rest. You know, they don't work too hard. So no, I don't think it should be put at the end of the season. In a, do, you, do you still oh, like how they select All-Stars? In do terms of like the voting? Yeah. Okay. Yes and no. I think the fan vote is a little... <sighs> I'm trying to find a word. Um, obviously, we're going to get the guys, you know, LeBron James and KD, Giannis, Steph. They're they're going to get the votes they deserve. But then, you know, there's going to be times where I think one year, like, Zaza Pachulia was voted an all-star starter with the, with the fan votes. So they had to adjust how <laughs> we voted for the or how we selected all-stars. Look, none of these fans are experts. Clearly. And a lot of these opinions of fans don't matter (laughs) because objectively they're not as smart as these GMs and coaches that are watching basketball literally every second of every day. Even the players. Even the players. Like they they know who should be all-stars. Now, I do think fan voting adds an element of fun because, you know, it's funny every now and then, but it's not the best. (laughs) I remember when MLB still did the full fan vote. They did like a weighted average between all the votes, but like the fan was like 75%. And yeah. it was the year after the Royals won the World Series and Kansas City just oh, showed yeah. up. And so it was like all nine starters at one point were Kansas City Royals. Even Omar Infante was leading in second base that year. And he was last place in OPS in the entire league. 
Yeah. Thank God by the by the end of the voting, it was like only four or five royal starters, and they were. I mean, they were yeah. doing pretty well that year, but you know, Alex Gordon wasn't setting the world on fire. <laughs> but no. that's when I realized the fan vote needs to be at least limited, right? Like, it, it's yeah. if you're going to have multiple voting avenues for voting, then you need to weight them less so on people who don't really pay attention to the game. You know, like make the player vote larger. Because I feel like the players obviously are probably the best judges of talent because that's who they have to play against. And instead of a fan who has caught three games in a year says, oh, well, he plays, you know, he, he plays with LeBron, so he must be good. And let's vote in Kyle Kuzma. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, he wears a Laker jersey, but you're kind of cutting all these guys who are having amazing seasons elsewhere. So I feel like they right. should just rebalance the voting system at least. But I'm not sure if there's a fix to make the All-Star Game weekend more enticing to me. I think I'm just much more, I, I like watching games with stakes. I want something, a motivation for the game. I'm less so into exhibition games. I mean, it's fun watching great players play with each other. It, it is fun that they, they've they been doing the draft this past couple of years. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of neat. Um, it kind of kills the point of having Western Conference, Eastern Conference All-Stars. It, it's fine. They're, they're making it interesting enough for the casual fan, at least. And that's, that's all you can really ask for. But moving on from the All-Star weekend, we're going to go over biggest surprises and letdowns um, from teams in this year. Nick, what has been your biggest surprise? The biggest surprise? already know the answer to this question before I you have even asked I already it. have it written down, man. <laughs> it, is the fifth, it is They are the current fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. That is the New York Knicks, baby. Oh, oh my goodness. I have never seen, I've never been more excited for a team to be 19 and 18 than I am right now. Because this was nowhere near the expectation for this season, given what's going on the past few years. When they won just five games in the first month of the season, they didn't reach five months, or they didn't reach five wins with Fizdale until, gosh, maybe three months into the season. So the coaching change, yeah, the coaching change has just been phenomenal. Thibodeau has knocked it out of the park. And the main reason why, they're not that great of an offensive team. They average 104.9 a game, which is not, pretty sure it's like bottom. I think last place is like 103 something. Yeah, they're like, they're bottom of the league in terms of offense, but that's that's something you can fix. Their defense, however, is number one in the league. They average, they gave up 104.4 points per game, which is incredible. I don't know what he's done to like change it, and I don't know how he's gotten the young guys to just blossom into this, and he's made Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle was an all-star. At the beginning of the year, we were fans were talking about, okay, we just need him to play well enough to get a first-round pick out of him when we trade him at the deadline, and now they're talking about extending him for let alone not a max, but something close to a max the way he's been playing. You gotta give credit where credit is due. Thibodeau's been masterful at working with what he has. I'm sure New York is just buzz what was that the internet blew up after they finally went over 500 and the streets were just crowded with people celebrating high-fiving one another it was like they just won the nba title and you know that's that's positivity and you can't can't take that away from them i hope they can keep it going they are a young team subject to consistency issues but a good defense can take you i mean defense wins championships they say that for a reason. Mm-hmm. Tavis might be the perfect guy for this upstart Knicks. 
And they're and they're trending upwards because in their last ten games they're seven three. They needed this break just this moment, get a little more rest, and that, that momentum going in the second half of the season. I think they're going to stay in that like four to five range in terms of seeding. That's my hope. If they dip down to six or seven, it wouldn't be unexpected. But they are only they're only three games behind the Bucks for the third seed. I mean, which, all they have to do is maintain a five hundred pace, and they'll make the playoffs yeah. in the East right now. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Just make the playoffs. Show other players that you're, hey, this team is committed. They can make the playoffs with this squad. Oh, my goodness. Well, what if we had this player? Oh, well, this player wants to come here play now. So we'll, hopefully those are the dominoes that start to fall subsequently. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. And obviously we'll see what happens with the offseason. But right now, it's just exciting. They're knocking out of the park with expectations. And yeah, like you said, keep that about 500 perfect, perfect opportunity to make the playoffs and make some noise. My big surprise team this year. Same conference, but they're, I mean, they're not a total surprise for me. The 76ers. Now, they've always been kind of that four to five seed range, trusting the process. And I thought I thought that was kind of a washed experiment with rumors that after the season, maybe they shot Ben Simmons because he can't make a jump shot to save his life, etc. Um, and then Joel Embiid decides to start playing at an MVP caliber level. Like, he has been by far one of the best players in the league. And the 76ers are just a good team now. I mean, they've always had solid pieces. I think they just all finally aligned this season. People like Tobias Harris as a role player um, who is a former all-star. Ben Simmons leading the point even though he's, you know, six foot ten or whatever. Joel Embiid on his MVP form. They're just building a juggernaut in, in Philly. And they've been really surprising to me because... They're all the same pieces that they had last season. They haven't really changed a ton in terms of personnel. I think it's just credit to actually having a, a process and progressing year by year. And here they are, first place in the Eastern Conference. Now can they replicate that in the playoffs? Time will tell. But for me, 76ers are the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. You know, no one's not denying they have talent and then – Another opportunity, another example of a coaching, what a coaching change can do. They look fantastic with Doc Rivers. I don't think Embiid has that number two guy that he needs. And, you know, they want to say like, oh, Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons can't shoot. <laughs> he needs, I think, th- I think they need one more player. I think they'll wind up trading Ben Simmons. Really? And getting, I think they will, not this season, but maybe going into this offseason, we'll, I think it's more likely because, again, when it comes down to the playoffs, like, you know, they've been they've been in high, as high as, like, the three seed, and that's when they had, like, Butler and everybody, when they, you know, they, they were stacked up. It's been evident in the playoffs whenever they just, they space out, they back off of Ben, and he can't drive because they're defending the interior, and everyone's covered, and they're forcing him to shoot, and he can't do anything because he's air balls that are hits the side of the rim. So I think that's going to have to be an option for them. I know Philadelphia fans like him, but I don't know. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Both these teams, biggest surprises, it's just the difference between having a decent head coach and a great head coach. And, I mean, these guys, Doc Rivers, Tom Thibodeau, were proven guys in the NBA and for a reason, right? And they've mm-hmm. been able to take these teams and push them to a different level. On the flip side of that, Biggest letdowns of the season. What you got, Nick? I am going to go out on a limb because... Let me, let, me, let me phrase this correctly. Please do. With the talent that this team has, they should have nowhere near 13 losses at this point in the season. 
because they have the biggest pool of talent in terms of the th- top three players on their team. That's the Brooklyn Nets. Ooh. Now, you may be thinking, oh, well, they're the two seed. They're 9-1 in their last 10 games. Yes, because that's what is expected of them. They have Kevin Durant, they have James Harden, and they have Kyrie Irving. They just added Blake Griffin. He's not going to be that monumental a piece, but he's still a solid piece in terms of eating up minutes and getting inside some rest. They should be what the Utah Jazz are right now. They're they're twenty seven and nine. Uh, the Nets are twenty four and thirteen. Now they're not far off, but this is a team that should be the one seed right now. It should have already been the one seed. So you know, there's chemistry issues, but it looks like they've gotten through those. But their defense has just been god awful. If you look at their top three players, Kevin Durant's the best defender in their starting lineup right now. Which right, he's not going to shut someone down necessarily. I mean, he's good because he, he's got long arms. He gets some steals, gets some blocks here and there. But their best defensive piece was Jared Allen. And then they traded him in the trade to James <laughs> Harden to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So mm-hmm. once they got rid of him, it felt like the floodgates just opened and everyone's getting easy buckets in the paint because DeAndre Jordan isn't what he used to be. No. I mean, I agree with to a point. There were going right. to be growing pains with this team because they now, acquired – James Harden midseason. They had Kyrie take a very long break. Kevin Durant was having to do all, everything himself. Um, now they're having to rely on all these, you know, 23-year-old G League, former G League guys until those stars actually get with it and into the team system. I'd have to disagree with you though. Being the two seed with all those issues going on is pretty good. The 91 run that they have going on right now, they're going to meet your expectations in the second half. But I do agree, they their defense is the worst in the league. I wouldn't say they, they were letdowns, necessarily. I agree. I just have to troll them at the opportunity. Right <laughs> That's true. They're honestly kind of like the Buccaneers, where they have all this elite talent, and it's mm-hmm. really just, when are they going to figure it out? And will they be able to make a... They have one of the best players in the league right now, uh, maybe ever, on their team. So it's kind of like... Oh, yeah. No, they're they're going they're going to the conference finals. It's just a matter of are they going to get through? It's going to be Brooklyn and Philly in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't see Milwaukee with the moves they made this offseason getting there, and they haven't looked that great this year either. I if, just don't think Giannis is good enough in the playoffs to be you know the next LeBron. There's just that X factor that players like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, James Harden that they have that um, they, they can do everything. They can do anything they want on the court. Right, and Giannis feels like he needs that three-point stroke that they all have. He like, can make any layup or dunk he wants to, but when it comes down to the clutch situation, and they're not letting you go into the paint because they can do that, he has no he has no skill set that offers a, a defense any challenges to that. The only time that I think Giannis is superior to any player in the league is on the fast break. Yes, but that only hap- that that happens a lot less than just starting up at the top of the key. My total collapse team that I'm very disappointed in, they did, had no expectations coming into this year. Started off first in the league in the first 10 games, the Orlando Magic. What happened to them? They are currently last place, lottery pick range now. They're shopping their star player in Nikola Vucevic, and he leads their team in every category. I mean, points, rebounds, assists, Blocks, maybe steals as well. It's like the rest. He's been fine, but all their role players 
started off hot and then just disappeared. I mean, Aaron Gordon still just kind of living up to the title of only being good at dunking. He was kind of supposed to take this next step and he hasn't. I don't know. The team just totally collapsed, and I'm that they've been huge letdown at this point. I mean, they would start off first in the entire NBA, and now they are dead last. They they were like the Seattle Mariners of a few years ago. <laughs> at this point, there are sellers at the deadline looking at the first overall pick potentially, and uh, it's just it's disappointing, man. Also, want to throw in one more team because mm-hmm. I'd also like to troll a little, and that's the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> Look what happens to the team once you take out their most important piece. Not their quote-unquote best piece in Steph, but you take out Klay Thompson, team's way worse. I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone's going to deny that, but we are seeing what Steph is capable of, and we know what he's been capable of, and it's been fun to watch him this year, but I get what you're saying. They tormented the league for so long and almost turned into a dynasty, so I, I thought I'd just throw that little jab in there that, uh, It's been nice to see them not tear up the league. Moving on over to some recent news in the NFL. Dak Prescott, after potentially becoming a franchise tag candidate, signs a mega deal to tie him down with the Dallas Cowboys for four more years. Boy, is he getting paid. Mm -hmm. Totaling $160 million in four years. And the way they have it spaced out is actually kind of smart to where that he eventually hits a void year where only his signing bonus counts against the cap, which is great for the year 2025. Um, Mm -hmm. And his cap is relatively Mm -hmm. nice for now. Might need some work in the three years in between. It's the right move for Dallas. This was Dak winning a standoff with Jerry, which I commend Dak for. He gave him a deadline. It is a lot of money. You know, at at the end of the day, who were they going to get? Because you have to think about what they would have what what they would have had to give up in terms of draft capital in order to get a guy like Russell Wilson that was linked to them, or you know maybe even Deshaun Watson. They would have to give up a lot more that would have been probably even more detrimental to the team progress itself or the future of the team as compared to giving him a lot of money. Money is not going to be an issue for Dallas. This is like this is a win for both of them. They get the quarterback that's been consistent for them. He's been, he's been putting up he's been putting up really good numbers, even though the rest of the team's been pretty lousy. Their defense is still in shambles, but he kept them in those games. And you know, if they have Dak this past season, they probably stick into the playoffs. It is a lot of money, but you know, when you have your cornerstone at quarterback, you need to keep them. And I think that's what they have in Dak. Yeah, he's proven that. This was a very important piece, or this is a very important signing for Dallas to get done. They got it done. It's good for them, and they're still going to go eight and eight or nine and seven, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know either get in or or not get in the playoffs. I mean, if they're you know. in trash division, I mean, anything's yeah. possible at this point. I know. Let's. Uh, oh, oh my gosh! Hopefully, the Giants can do something. I'm glad that. Dak didn't lose out on making his money because of that season-ending injury. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that that was just totally unfortunate that not w- one, he had to miss an entire season with that horrific injury that he had. But then two, it was also in his co- one of his contract years. And that's just really unfortunate. Um, so I'm glad that he's, man still gets paid. It's smart to tie him down for Dallas. Now, at the rate he is getting paid, 
average per year. He's number two in the NFL. Do I think he deserves that much? I might argue no, because yes, he plays one of the, probably the most important position on the field. I think a lot of the stats he threw up in the past couple years, offense stalling for three quarters, they're down a decent amount, and then slot time kicks in, and he's playing against soft zones, getting a lot more open passes. I mean, he, he is a great quarterback, don't get me wrong. But I do think that his stats have been padded a little by Dallas being down in games. Nonetheless, I think that they had to tie him down because you, you're right. There are no other options right now um, for them. I mean, we were talking about the qu- quarterback carousel earlier. All these quarterbacks are starting to find teams now. And I think Dallas, if they needed to, would have had to m- make a move sooner um, if they wanted to get the guy they want. I mean, they still have Andy Dalton in the back, but the best he could make a Dallas Cowboys team is 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. It's really not smart to tie down Zeke first in the trio between Amari Cooper, Zeke yeah. Elliott, and Dak. So Dak should receive this extension probably first. Yeah, out of the three. He, you need to get the quarterback first. <laughs> I know it's enticing to sign the league-leading rusher, but it's kind of funny that he signed that extension and then immediately fell off a cliff this season. Well, he's the league-leading leading rusher because of the offensive line. This past season, his numbers are down more so because their offensive line was down. So, it, you know, if they get healthy, his numbers will go back up. Obviously, Amari Cooper had a down year too, but that's because he lost Dak for a lot of it. If you're an NFL GM, the first thing you need to show up on your offense is the quarterback because that is the number one most valuable position in football. There are teams that are still trying to get quarterbacks that have been trying for years to be cornerstones for their franchises, and they still don't have it. And these are teams, some of these teams have picked top five too. And these quarterbacks are still bad because it's the hardest position to get your franchise cornerstone at. So if you have it, lock it up and worry about everything else afterwards. Because if you don't have the quarterback, you're not winning. You're not winning anything. You're not winning playoff games. It's just the way the NFL works. I mean, you look at the quarterback play in the playoffs. Tom Brady is still an elite quarterback at the age of 43. He put up 40-plus touchdowns. He just won his seventh Super Bowl. Obviously, it's a little different because he's going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time, most likely. He's a unless, freak of nature as an athlete. Yeah, the freak of nature. That. Yeah, unless Mahomes just rattles off eight in a row after this season. <laughs> you know, which is still entirely possible. Uh, <laughs> he is ridiculous, and they're going to have to show up a lot of things, too, in order for that to be possible, but... <clears throat> mostly that offensive line. And they talk about like, oh, well, they don't, why do they get a quarterback? They don't have a solid offensive line because quarterbacks can still make plays even without an offensive line. You got the quarterback lined up, you build everything else up through the draft, and then you get the accessories and stuff through free agency. It works, okay? It, it, it works for teams. It's just the way that they need to operate. You get the quarterback, you get the quarterback first, and you build, you then, and then after you get that, you build in to out. So you get the quarterback, you, you, and then you focus on offensive line and defensive line because those are your next two most important positions. You can have a bad secondary, but your secondary looks better if your D-line's good because they, they rush the quarterback. You can have a you don't have to have an elite running back if your offensive line is good because they, they can block well and open up lanes for them. So you get the quarterback, you build in to out. You worry about everything else later. It is hard 
to do those properly and have everything fall in that in that order. I mean, the but, Rams tried that, and they ended up with Jared Goff and having to trade trade him. Do you see Dak Prescott living up to his contract as the number two paid player in the NFL? Or do you see the Dallas Cowboys going 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven for the next four years? If their defense is as bad as last season, he'll put up he'll put up big numbers because they're going to be down a lot. Mm-hmm. He's he's not afraid to throw the ball down the field, which has been more to Dallas's benefit than detriment. So we'll get a good sense of how that's going to go towards the start of the season. I think we're going to see more of the same last as last year. So I'm going to go with yes, he is, but it's going to be entirely. Entirely on how their defense performs. Based on track record, mm, suspect yeah. at best. <laughs> Another star player recently in free agency news, J.J. Swat, signing with his new home after being mutually released with the Houston Texans, goes to the Arizona Cardinals to pair up with Chandler Jones. What do you make of this signing, Nick? It's good. Good for the Cardinals. They're kind of rubbing it in the Texans' face because they have now taken away their top wide receiver. They've taken away a Hall of Famer (laughs) (laughs) at the defensive line position. (laughs) At this point, just trade Kyler for Deshaun. (laughs) You just get all the Texans out there. Their um, defensive line was one of their strengths because they had Hassan Riddick lead the team in sacks and Chandler Jones, who has led the league in sacks over the last few years. With the signing of J.J. Watt, they just released Hassan Reddick after his career year. So they're betting more on Watt than Reddick. I think their defense, their defense, their problem was with the secondary just because like Patrick Peterson's getting older. I mean, they, they have some solid pieces, like Buda Baker and Byron Murphy. Chandler Jones and Watt, if they can stay healthy, um, because they're both, they're going to be a menace to offensive lines. And a player that will be seeing them twice, who hasn't really had the best offensive line, Russell Wilson. Will he survive next season? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I mean, this is just a nightmare scenario for <laughs> Wilson. Oh my goodness. It really is. Their offensive line is garbage and then... Defensive lines in the in the in the uh, NFC West are pretty good because <clears throat> now Arizona improves, LA's is already elite, and then San Francisco is getting Nick Bosa back. So <laughs> he's going to be spending a lot of time on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm expecting a down year from the Seahawks next year. <laughs> in the future, we'll probably check in again with free agency. Uh, this week, we've just seen a lot of franchise tag options happen. Um, a lot of Interesting takes on players being released that I kind of expected them to be tagged at least. But one player that I wanted to highlight and kind of talk about a little more conceptually was Kyle Van Noy. He's a linebacker for, formerly a linebacker within the Miami Dolphins. He signed a four-year contract after this past year, spending most of his time with the Patriots. And it kind of brought up the idea that he was getting, he was getting good money as a linebacker. Um, for what he did as an inside linebacker. Um, they get paid a little bit less. But he was on this four-year contract, and then he was released after one year uh, because, I mean, it wasn't he didn't play necessarily up to his contract because he was getting paid a lot. That's kind of happened a lot with these four-year deals for vets, um, especially playing that position. And I was just wondering if that's like, if you think that's kind of a problem with the NFL 
operating the way it does? Or is it just, that's just business. We signed the four-year deal and we're only keeping you one or two years. Because, I mean, this happened. This has happened with multiple players. I mean, I find it funny because we'll see, you know, we'll see players that are like, I don't want to play here anymore. Then you get people mad at them like, oh, you need to honor your contract. But a team can release you at any moment. So what exactly do the players need to honor? I, I do think it's a problem. But, you know, if you're signing a vet to a four-year deal, you need to be, you need to be conscious of the fact that, hey, their production's probably going to go down. They're going to start to regress probably a little quicker than they would if you signed them when they were in their late 20s. It's just the way that their bodies work. Um, do I think it's fair to the veteran? No, because you're signing him to this. Um, I mean, he still gets guaranteed money, but that's just for, I think it's just for, for the one year that he played, right? Yeah, so, yeah. The, that, the, the, it was very minimal. De- it was not a lot of guaranteed money on this uh, for your contract. Yeah, which is still dumb because, look, NFL's players get screwed over a lot, especially with guaranteed money when they see all these other leagues and these guys are getting paid in full for their contracts. I think they more so need to do away with guaranteed money and just be like, hey, this is what the contract's for. This is what you're going to get paid. They can do like an average, they can do an AAV like hockey does, average annual value. And I think it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to the players because these teams, like you should know what's going to happen when you sign uh, an older guy. Right, especially at positions where you regress a lot sooner. Like signing a quarterback's a lot different than signing a running back or a linebacker because the you know the shelf life of these players is so much less. So if you sign this multi-year extension as a player, you're assuming you're going to be on the team for at least a couple years. And in Kyle Van Noy's case, he gets released after just one year with the team and minimal dead cap afterwards. And it's kind of like you, you made a good point when you were saying players should honor their contract. And it's like, well, the team should honor the contract, their contracts too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a business. I do get that. And the salary cap is a heck of a thing to manage, um, especially with the, the gross inflations of salaries, especially at like qu- the quarterback position. But then there are still people. There's still guys who are trying to earn a living, trying to earn that salary. So the fact that he gets cut after one year with the team, Thought he was getting paid three more years. Probably moved his family out to Miami because he was going to spend four years with them. Where do we draw the line? Where a sport is just a business or it still involves people? That was just something I just thought I'd point out because kind of didn't sit right. Moving on from NFL to NHL. Uh, Nick, who's, yes. who's been your biggest surprise this season? You know what? Uh, right now it's the Chicago Blackhawks. They are... They are fourth in the. They're only fourth in the Central Division right now, but they're playing above expectations. You know the reason why, though. He should be leading Hart the Hart Trophy discussion. He should be. This is this. This is a guy who is when he retires will be the greatest American-born hockey player ever. That is that is the legacy he has right now. Even if he stopped playing right now, he'd be the greatest American hockey player ever. And I put emphasis on American because there's no chance in hell. That an American will ever have the same type of career that Wayne Gretzky has. I don't so think anybody ever in the history no. <laughs> of a, the sport of hockey will ever have a great as, as great a career as Wayne Gretzky. No, and you have to emphasize the nationality of the player because there's a lot of European players in hockey, mm-hmm. um, a lot of countries. <laughs> so yeah, he is the greatest American-born hockey player ever. He is right now, and that's what he's going to end up being. Yeah, he should be. He's he's leading the team. They don't have their captain in Taves right now. 
Um, and he's been that leadership spot, and he's just been fantastic. And they're sitting at 31 points right now, um, which is only seven behind Tampa Bay, which is leading the tie for first throughout the entire NHL with uh, Toronto right now, who is at another team that has been performing at expectations, which is good for them. Uh, saves them from jokes for now. <clears throat> but yeah, I'll, I'll the Chicago Blackhawks right now are my surprise team. One team that... I thought they're kind of having a similar way of uh, the Knicks and the Sixers of they finally have an elite head coach, and that's the New York Islanders. Man, they are a great team all of a sudden. And it felt like they had these regressing stars, and everyone was talking about how like Josh Bailey, Anders Lee, Jordan Everly. Yeah, that trio, everyone was talking about how uh, they're paid way too much. The Islanders will be sunk for years, and I was inclined to agree with them. Then they get an elite head coach. Brought the Capitals, the, their first ever Stanley Cup. They're clicking on all cylinders. I mean, Matthew Barzal is a superstar. They just look great. They're sitting atop the East Division right now. Um, and, I mean, that's not an easy di- division to be leading right now, um, just based on the rest of the talent in, in, in the league. So, I'm giving my kudos to the Islanders. So, on the flip side of that, who's been your biggest dud of the season? Well, for right now, I'll say the Dallas Stars, but they just had a very rough time with COVID. They've had a lot of games canceled, and they've only they've only been able to play twenty one games <laughs> compared to the rest of the league, which is pretty sad. Then right now, I don't know, maybe maybe in a regular season, uh, my team that is the dud of the season, bar none, Buffalo Sabers. That team has been a dumpster fire this year. I mean. We thought talents like Rasmus Dahlin would take a step forward and become the next elite defender for them. He, nope. We thought Taylor Hall was going to have some kind of season with paired up with Jack Eichel. Nope. Jack Eichel's probably going to request the trade sometime this year, which I know you're excited for, Nick. Jack uh, Eichel wants nothing to do with the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> and he, by next year, if it's not this season, by next year when his no trade clause comes into effect, he will be a New York Ranger. You heard it here first. I mean, that that team right now is just in the gutter, and I don't see them getting much better. Um, Oh, no. I mean, they're stuck paying Jeff Skinner crazy amounts of money. Um, They've lost eight in a row. Yeah, yeah, as we're speaking. (laughs) So, I mean, they don't really have a solid goaltending option, I don't think, either, that can just carry a game. Even the Devils at least have, like, Mackenzie Blackwood. He shows up in spurts, at least, and... I mean, I just feel like they have so many holes on that team that it's kind of incredible. They are a dumpster fire. They are. It's interesting to look at because you wonder how it happened. Um, <laughs> <laughs> bad times in Buffalo right now because Taylor, Hall, Taylor Hall's on a one-year deal. He's probably going somewhere else immediately following this year. Um, oh, absolutely. You're losing your captain, best scorer, and Jack Eichel. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin was supposed to be your up-and-comer prospect, not doing well. Rasmus Ristolainen is probably hitting free agency soon. He's probably your best defend, most consistent defender right now, which isn't saying a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at least y'all have it the. Does. At least they have the Bills. At least they have the Bills in Buffalo. They have the Bills, there but they need to pull the trigger on Jack Eichel quick if they want to get anything for him. Because True. if it reaches to next season or at even later and closer to the deadline this season. They're not going to get what people are expecting them to get. I saw all these people, all these fans on Twitter be like, oh, well, if the Rangers want to get him, they have to give up this, this, and this, at least one of Kako or Lafreniere. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, they're not. The best player that the Sabres are going to get at this point right now 
is probably is a uh, is strong. <laughs> uh, because, because the sabers have absolutely no leverage, and the only leverage that someone has given back to me is I think it was John, yeah, it was John Puchigras, and he said, "Well, they have him signed for five more years." Okay, it doesn't matter if he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> if he requests a trade, it is over. Your leverage is gone. Yeah, it, it's starting get... to look a lot like a Nolan Arenado, absolutely Deshaun Watson type situation. There, they have. Yes, and they better do it quickly, because as soon as the words come out of his mouth, I am requesting a trade, these are the teams I want to be traded to, because he's gonna, he has a no-trade clause kicking in next year, too. So they kind of have to do it now, because if it does get to next season, it's going to be even worse of a return. Because then he I mean, gets to pick which team he goes to. Oh, absolutely, and that takes, that takes the other 30 teams out of the equation. So <laughs> a team like the Rangers wouldn't have to worry about being outbid because they know who their competition would be. Even right now, they still can give them the best deal, even without giving up their best players. And that's props to Jeff Gordon for the job they put together for the roster and the draft picks they have, uh, which is how you're supposed to rebuild. If I'm the Sabres, I've, you got to pull the trigger now and take the best deal you can get. They either need to choose to salvage something, um, convince Eichel that acquire a piece that will convince Eichel to stay, or hit the nuke. You either have to hit the nuke, tank, get a high draft pick, get some elite talent that hopefully will replace Eichel, and hopefully you get a return for him that isn't a bunch of late-round picks when he's so unhappy to be there wearing the C on his sweater. I said the Sabres would be a crazy but possible team. I was way wrong. (laughs) I feel like they're not going to leave the basement of the NHL. But important hockey news before we we move on. Mm -hmm. They have reached an agreement for television rights with ESPN. Oh, I just yeah. Because a big a big issue is that NBC Sports is dissolving after this year. So soccer trying to find a home which they prob- they already have with CBS. Golf's going to have to find a new home and the other, the big one obviously they have is hockey because they show the Stanley Cup playoffs every year. So ESPN has I believe it was a 7-year deal. But the most important part of this is that hopefully we can get Gary Thorne back to commentating hockey games. <laughs> Since we did just lose Doc Emmerich. We did lose Doc, but, but Gary Thorne is electric, and we need him back. That's one of the few upsides I see for this deal. Yes. Because they also announced that NHL.TV will dissolve into ESPN Plus subscription. 75 games will be on ESPN Plus or Hulu Live Sports. 25 games will be televised nationally on ABC or ESPN. And then I thought, okay, so they play 80, 80 plus games. You know, maybe they're counted for short shortened seasons too, but 25 games? Nick, that's not a lot. It is not a lot. That's really disappointing because that means we all have to get premium, premium plans. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what that means in terms of like how much they're going to show on there. I hope I'm able to watch more Ranger games. Or at least they have an option on ESPN Plus for like team packages. But then it's just cable all over again. What's I the mean, point of all this? <laughs> <laughs> what is the point of all this if we're I just know. having cable again? And then watch ten years from now and be like, oh, we're all getting cable again. Whoa, oh yeah, <laughs> it's just going to be an ever-ending cycle, and I'm going to have to wind up paying more money to watch sports. I just want to watch sports. <laughs> Why so, is it so hard? If there is a streaming service out there that would love to sponsor this podcast, I would gladly listen to their ideas. But just want to watch sports. That's all we want. And it, this deal, 
I have a bad feeling about it, and I don't know if people share that with me, but it just it, it could go wrong. <laughs> and I, I hope it. I really hope it doesn't. I've only been an NHL, a true NHL fan, since probably 2014, 2015. I mean, I, I kind of rooted for teams. I didn't. I didn't become a fanatic of it until mm-hmm. then. And so, if it's going to be ripped from me this soon in my <laughs> hockey fan career, um, <laughs> that would just be bad. Prefer that not to happen. To finish up, we talked about almost every major North American sport. So let's just throw in a little baseball. Just cap this episode off. Spring training starting up. It's good to see. Get to hear the crack of the bat. That's always such a nostalgic sound for me. Just one quick question, Nick. Way too early World Series predictions. What you got? Well, you already know who I have as one team. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm going to choose the Yankees to represent the American League. They have the talent. On offense, what I'm hoping for is the starting rotation pans out the way they want to. They've looked pretty good in spring training so far. Like we said, this is very, 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 very early. Way too early. Uh, bullpen looks good. We are losing Britain for a little bit, which sucks because he's, he's the best uh, relief pitcher we have outside of Chapman. They have everything there. They've been close before. I think they're going to get there this year. And then I was really torn on the National League because I, the popular pick right now is just the Dodgers to go back. I'm going to go with a, a 1998 World Series rematch. It's going to be Yankees and Padres. You're buying the mm-hmm. hype then. Right now I am. And they're just exciting to watch. Again, I would like to see a little bit more out of their bullpen. The starting rotation. <laughs> they got Blake Snell, you Darvish. They got Clevenger. I think they're going to be really solid there. I think the most important piece, though, when you get down to it in the play in the postseason, is the bullpen. We've seen teams lose World Series with the with a bad bullpen, so we'll see. But I'm curious as to what your pick is. I'm going to say the Dodgers. Yeah, it's pretty easy. <laughs> Take a World Series winning team, the exact right. team. Hit Control C. Hit Control V. <laughs> control V. <laughs> and then add the Cy Young Award winner, and Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Yeah. Not not too tough on a pick on that one. Okay, honestly though, I don't really buy the Padres just yet and then they're going to win, probably going to lead the league now because I'm saying this, but I don't think Blake Snell, you Darvish, I mean they're great players, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if they're going to be world beaters because of it. They don't have the the bullpen that you know the Dodgers have. I'm just going to throw that out there and they're going to prove me wrong. <laughs> They're going to win 100 games. (laughs) You're welcome, San Diego. (laughs) That's all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for stopping by. Nick, always a pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Had a lot of fun today. I hope you all have a great week. 